Hi everybody and welcome to the Golders Podcast, where we aim to sprinkle particles of knowledge by engaging and educating. With your co-hosts, father and son duo, Keith and David Mayer. We're excited to have you on this journey with us and we know our wide variety of world-class guests will provide lots of value for our listeners. To ensure you stay up to date with everything we've got going on on the podcast, make sure you subscribe. Today, we welcome on Joe Sargison for part one of a two-part episode of the Goldust podcast. Joe is a highly regarded coach educator, mentor and coach, but today we're going to talk about the side of Joe that most people don't know about. In particular, the charity that Joe started 15 years ago called Balls to Poverty, which involved taking students from inner city Nottingham to the townships of South Africa. It's a truly remarkable story that got Joe a Pride of Britain Award and the Queen's Award for all of his endeavours. Enjoy. Well, it gives me great pleasure today to invite my very dear friend, Joe Sargison, who I met in 2003 whilst at Nottingham Forest Football Club. Sarge, welcome and thank you for your time today. Thank you very much, Keith. Thank you. Now, listen, we've got so much that we can talk about. We are very interested in finding out a little bit more about you. So can you share with us your background in teaching and coaching? Yeah, sure. After leaving university, I went off to work in, in, in marketing, in international trade shows and exhibitions. and didn't actually get into teaching and coaching until quite a few years later. Really came at the age of about 26, 27 when I decided that I needed a, a new direction in my, in my career and went back to university to do a, a master's in sports management. And as, as part of that, ended up doing a dissertation at Notting Forest Football Club, where I had a chance to work in the academy there for the first time. So it was around about um, the early 2000s. I would have been about 27. And really, I was re- restarting my career at that point. Started working in administration with the, the then uh, academy director, Nick Marshall. Uh, and alongside that, observing many of the coaches that were working across the academy. And I think it was it was round about that time I was invited by the, the teachers that were working with the scholars at Forest on their academic studies. I was invited to come in and do some uh, some teaching, some observation, uh, and given a chance to go and uh, take myself back to university and do a PG cert uh, in education, which I did uh, part-time over two years, and uh, gave me the qualifications to start uh, to start teaching a bit more formally. So I think the career then started shifting slightly where I went to work for a local further education college that had a partnership with Nottingham Forest at the time and started tutoring there part-time uh, whilst coaching part-time at, at Nottingham Forest. So they were, they were the, uh, you know, the early sort of two, three years uh, around, around this new direction in my career at the time. I do remember quite clearly meeting your mum and dad outside the academy building can remember the words that I used you were actually inside the building and I'd, I'd spoke to your dad about how special you are and how unique you are which leads me to the next question you became a Pride of Britain award winner share with us the backstory of how this came about I think it, it, it was at the time when I went to the the college probably about a year into into my my time there, I became the manager of the football program. There was a football performance program at the college. It was linked in 
uh, to Nottingham Forest Academy. And as part of that role, I landed upon an opportunity. I met a coach from South Africa uh, at Forest Academy who, who invited me out to uh, Johannesburg where he had a team. This would have been about Easter 2004 and I was given a chance to go out there and observe and do some coaching with his team, which I did. And whilst I was there, saw advertisement really for a, a, a tourist trip into one of the townships in uh, Soweto, Johannesburg. So I went in there and was drawn to a, a group of youngsters that were playing football with some rags. Uh, and it just, you know, it hit me. It's quite a, quite a visual impact, as I'm sure many people have experienced. And I bought a football for uh, this group of kids from local market and kicked it in there. And, and there was a swarm of kids that were racing into, uh, into, this, into this mini game of football from all the surrounding shacks. And it was just a, an image that hit me very hard at the time and, and obviously stuck with me during, during the rest of that trip. I went on to coach uh, this team from Johannesburg at uh, an international tournament in Cape Town, an under-19s event. Um, we did quite well, got introduced to all the uh, organisers of the competition and returned back to England. I didn't really think much of it, went back to my job. And it was during the course of that year, 2004-05, where we received a, a message from the organisers of the tournament asking if there was any chance I'd be able to bring my college team over from Nottingham to compete in the 2005 uh, edition of the Premier Cup, it was called in Cape Town. So this was, uh, it was obviously a major turning point in, uh, in my career and, and, and also the, the, the nature of the programme that we were running. I sat down with all the players, there were 16 of them, and put it to them, explain we'd had an invitation, put it to them if they'd be interested in, in pursuing it, explain the early estimations, put it at around about £30,000 we'd need to raise uh, in order to get us all out there and all the accommodation and compete. And the lads all agreed that it was something that they had to do. So we, uh, so we did it. We, we, we got about, myself and another staff member, a couple of colleagues, got about putting together uh, the plan and a series of fundraising events and uh, risk assessments and all the other things that go with international trips. And we took 16 teenagers, uh, under 18s, under 19s, to Cape Town for the 2005 uh, International Festival. Uh, and what I wanted to do really was give these youngsters a bit of an insight into some of the experiences that I'd had the year before in Johannesburg. And outside of training and competing in the tournament, we decided to go into a, a township in Cape Town uh, with the support of a local company that took us in. And we had about 30 deflated footballs that we'd taken over in our bags from Nottingham, pumped them up. And, you know, it's a very, uh, very, very primitive. There's no no frills about it. We, we, all the kids that were there, we interacted with them, had a game of football, did some little coaching practices and then and left the equipment with the local community leader in the township. Went off and completed the tournament and then came back. So we gave, we gave it a name. The project was called Balls to Poverty. And it was a project really back in 2005. And, and really over the next sort of four or five years, it, it, it evolved into more of a programme, 364 days of the year programme really, where these young footballers who were learners at the college would have to integrate in the local communities of Nottingham. They'd go into primary schools, coaching, uh, they'd have media commitments, they'd have fundraising commitments uh, in addition to their studies to generate the, the experiences they were going to need to develop the life skills to shape their futures, really. And this was the purpose of the, of the programme. So over the course of the next four or five years, we had more and more uh, learners, more, more athletes, not just football, uh, male and female, different sports, 
and coaches from right across the the department and and we get to the point of um a bolster uh, a, a pride of britain nomination it was actually a, a a colleague i believe at the college at the time who um unbeknown to me had, had put in uh, a nomination for me on a local level through itv central and uh, i must have made some kind of shortlist um and then was interviewed by itv central and I ended up winning it regionally which then um, then meant that i went to the national pride of britain awards down in london um, I wasn't the actual eventual winner of the of the award, but uh, represented the the region. So it was a it was a, a very yeah very moving experience. Of course, it, it meant so much for obviously me and my family, but of course for everybody that was associated with the with the program, from the students to the staff members, uh, partners that had put a lot of faith into us. There was so many stakeholders and, and people that were involved with the experience so, and, and that was probably the most important thing for me it meant it meant so much to a lot of people you eventually went down to buckingham palace with a cohort of you know, students from the college and staff that must have been an interesting experience yeah it was uh, i guess as as uh, people who who've been involved in in developing businesses or programs or, or clubs or whatever it might be will will testify that, of course, as you gather momentum, uh, you know, we took more and more learners, more and more staff were involved. And uh, around about this time, I think we'd hit about 350 different individual students, male and female, had left England and gone to uh, the townships of Cape Town. We'd actually expanded it into slum communities in, in Uganda. We'd, we'd been to uh, Northern Ireland as well and, and, and teamed up with different uh, Different initiatives that were that were on the ground at grassroots level, and and actually got involved in a, a then EU funded program to Denmark as well, a new sport to develop leadership there. So the program uh, it grew and grew, many more partners, uh, more people involved, and we got to the point where there was a submission for the Queen's anniversary prize for education, innovation, and education, uh, which which we ended up winning. So uh, it was a fantastic achievement for the, uh, for the college and the programme at the time. And it meant that there was a, a couple of visits to St. James's Palace originally, just to meet with the other winners, the other recipients uh, around the UK. And then of course, the visit to Buckingham Palace, where for me, I had a chance to take five, five students who'd been part of the journey from the start and a couple of members of staff with me to, uh, to savour the day in meeting uh, obviously the Queen and, uh, and Prince, Prince Philip to receive the award. So yeah, it was a wonderful uh, milestone for the programme and a fantastic uh, experience really for everybody involved. I know you'll be able to expand on this more. A lot of the kids that you dealt with, that you coach, that you teach at the college were from inner city Nottingham. Yeah. And you've then taken these kids, you've then shown them a different experience and a really enlightening and enriching experience that I think will stick with them forever. Can you share some of the, the stories from some of the boys that you work with, because I know there's quite a lot of them have got on to be successful in their own respective fields. For me, it always it always was while it was happening, and, it, and I guess it always will be, even now that I'm reflecting back on it, the most important part of the, the work that we did was the impact that it had on the students. Because you're absolutely right, a lot of them, a very high percentage of them, um, and as I said, there are about 350 that took part in this over the years, went on to do things that they may not have, have done otherwise. Um, they, they, these would be their own 
their own feelings that they shared with us. So whether that was going to university or winning scholarships to um, American universities, going to university within England, employment, or developing other life skills as well. And, and we're in situations now where, of course, some of these youngsters are now 28, 29, 30-year-old uh, men and women who, who still link in and feedback and keep in touch with me every now and again. And some of them have started their own projects, their own sports projects. One, one line in particular is actually going back to Cape Town and um, forming links with, with my partner from, uh, from South Africa that I ran the programme with to actually run a mini Balls to Poverty. And I mean, that, that in itself is an unbelievable achievement. So achievement levels of these learners were, were unbelievable. And uh, I think on, on levels, it, it rose their, their own um, levels of aspiration around what was possible in their own lives. And uh, as I said, many went on to, to leave England and to experience different cultures, different countries, and to, uh, to actually win scholarships uh, in different parts of, uh, of the world. So I was very fortunate in 2007 to come along to South Africa with you, 2007 and 2009, mm. and to actually experience the profound impact that this experience brought to their lives. But speaking for myself, to see the hardship that people go through to survive out there, but equally when, you brought, when you're bringing in kids from inner city, UK, Nottingham in this case, and to see them integrate into the communities out in South Africa was such a powerful platform, but by using the power of a ball. And so for yourself, observing that, Joe, what did it bring to your life? It's a great question. It's hard to, it's hard to explain, really, because I think it was, it was multi-dimensional. There were so many different layers to it. And actually, you know, over the period of time, because it's probably, probably 13 consecutive visits with English youngsters to, to, to Cape Town. You know, people had different, different memorable moments that stood out for them. And that's, that's what makes it so intriguing, really, that it sort of touched the lives of people in different ways. It was very individual in that respect. I think for me, I think it was, I was there, for want of a metaphor, kick, kicking every ball. I was at the heart of everything, certainly in the early days, because, of course, I was trying to build this... Uh, this program and get it moving and get it moving in the right direction. So I just saw on a daily basis, levels of confidence rise in young people, you know, the self-belief increase. Some of the things I used to talk about as being possible for them in their, in their own lives, you know, and it was a privilege for me really to hear it and listen to that on a daily basis, watching them work. You know, we went into, went into primary schools across, across Nottingham at the time and, you know, some of these kids were doing about 400 hours of volunteer coaching on top of the studies and any jobs and part-time jobs they had in their life. They were, they were, they were doing, you know, ridiculous, ridiculous levels of volunteer work well above anything that a lot of other youngsters of the same age group were doing. And they were loving it. And you could see them developing and growing as they went on the way. So to then go and see the impact of their work out in Africa was 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 absolutely astounding i think um you know the communities we go into um have been extremely well documented in tv programs you know a lot of hardship massive problems with uh, antisocial behavior and, and and gangs and drugs and um you know really difficult communities and um we we formed some unbelievable partnerships to get to the heart of these communities and and uh 
and provide sport and a bit of, of joy for the work that we're doing. And the impact of seeing these youngsters go in there and the confidence they had to go and interact with youngsters from other parts of the world was truly astounding, really. They're the type of memories that, that probably stick out with me. I'm sure there's many, many more. But. And, and just a little bit around the, some of the townships that we went into, when you refer to the, if you like, the coalface, this wasn't anything remotely like any I'd experienced in my life. They were talking about no sanitary. It was pure raw. You, you're right in the art of townships where they are living literally by the day and to go in you know as a group but be guided if you like it's not superficial this this is real share with us some of those experiences from johannesburg and then we went into cape town and the share with that yeah well well of course if you're taking young people particular away on tours or visits of course, there's, a, there's, there's so many things and components to that that you have to consider in terms of health and safety and, and risk. So naturally, the risk assessment was, was huge and it, and it evolved every year. Um, and you're right, we were dealing with uh, uh, communities that um, had so many challenges and barriers. And the key component to this for me was the links and partnerships that we built with people that came from those communities. That was one of the massive learnings for me and on, on, my, on a personal level was identifying appropriate partners to work with, people that, that, that were on the front line that lived in those communities and were respected, credible figures within the communities. And also people that had uh, networks to local projects on the ground in these communities that were working with these youngsters on a daily basis. And as time went on, programs started adding different components to it. And one of the big components was the coach education programs that we ran, which, um, which involved at times as many as 200 uh, 250 uh, school teachers, mentors, community coaches, professional coaches from Cape Town and the surrounding districts to come to a, a, a three or four day coach, ed- coach education event where we shared information on coaching and coach development to arm these uh, practitioners with information and uh, detail and strategies that they could use in their clubs, in the schools, on the streets in some cases. To, to keep kids involved with sports and the bigger picture here is to keep them away from some of the other temptations that unfortunately live, live in those environments uh, and again for me you know such an impactful part of the program that kind of evolved as time went on and we spent more time there through our work. You mentioned about the project the students from Nottingham are now in South Africa but you equally mentioned about how they've got to get there what things did they have to do to actually raise the money? Yeah, we had a list of um, criteria, if you like, that had been agreed. Uh, it, it formed part of the construction of our of our culture program culture, um, and, and you know we had all, we had a lot of staff members involved in this, and we had a, a lot of students that had been involved in the process that were actually designing the culture and setting those standards. So it was a, it was a great part of my learning at the time was to to look into cultures, cultures that last and cultures that, that evolve. And of course, a lot of work was done around our values and our identity and what we wanted to be renowned for and the impact we wanted to have on people and the standards that were required in order to do that. So the criteria was that the bar had to be pretty high for a, for a youngster to access the program. But of course, not all things are equal in society and some youngsters probably had would have found it difficult to raise certain amounts of money caught in comparison with others 
and we had to take into consideration how to make it as as inclusive as possible. So it, it, it really using, um, I refer to self-determination theory around the youngster uh, driving their own involvement and desire to be involved with the programme. So we, we had criteria around, around uh, the number of fundraising events that youngsters had to attend rather than the amount of money they had to raise because some were going to different areas to raise the money than others. You know, the quantities they could raise were on a different level. But if they all contributed in terms of their time and commitment levels, that was something that could be measured a little bit more easily. It also involved a number of hours of volunteering work that the kids did in schools. So they had to, you know, get, doing 50 hours of community coaching was not going to be enough. You know, the, the numbers were, uh, were well above 150, 200 hours per person. And as I alluded to earlier, some, some managed to get over 400, which was an unbelievable achievement. So it's very much around um, the youngsters taking the initiative to drive their own participation in this programme and to be accountable for that involvement, because we felt that these were the life skills that, that they would need in order to uh, open up pathways and opportunities for themselves after their college education finished. What other roles did you have to, to do whilst at college? Yeah, um, that was a, it was a 2004 to 2007 were interesting times in, in my life because I probably had three, um, three mini careers on the go at the same time, really. So I was trying to develop myself as a, as a teacher. Um, I, was, I was trying to establish and grow the Boston Poverty Programme, but at the same time, I was a part-time coach at Nottingham Forest Academy in the foundation phase at the time. Um, also running the college football performance programme. Many of these students on the on the programme were the ones that were involved. Uh, and in, in addition, I started tutoring on a part-time basis with the Football Association uh, as of 2005. So I was, I was in the early stages of several parts of uh, of my careers really all at the same time so yeah very busy obviously looking back on it now I'm absolutely you know it was crucial for me to spin those plates I think to to develop the experience and skills that I've gone on to hopefully use in the rest of my career but certainly it was a busy time um but it was a a, a really intriguing time in my life as I was, as I was uh, spinning these plates and uh, and trying to find out about these different elements of my job so as a consequence to directing the Balls to Poverty Project, what did you learn about yourself? It's a difficult one to answer, I guess, because I think in, in some respects, some of the reflections have probably come in more recent times around what I, what I think I, what I thought I learned when you look back. I think with every year that we ran the programme, if I talk about Balls to Poverty, there were major reflections after each programme, right down to the logistics of running the, running the, running the tour, in Cape Town, uh, right down to the rules and, and, and boundaries uh, and expectations that we had to help the learners. You know, as I got older and more experienced, yeah, I'd like to think I became more situationally aware because, of course, the context that we're talking about was one where the risk levels were pretty high. And, and ultimately, me and other staff were responsible for the young learners that were with us. So loads of reflection you know, quite a lot of brutally honest reflections as well, where we, you know, we were, we were happy to, uh, to front up with things that we could have done better. And, and of course, while I'm doing that, I'm also going through the process of getting feedback from learners while I'm tutoring for the FA. And uh, I'm going through the process of, 
of my own um, coaching journey through my UEFA A license. So I'm around coaches who are a lot better and a lot more experienced than myself, and I'm learning from them as well. So it was it was a um, it, 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 years of high energy, lots of variety, um, but but lots of experiential learning and deep reflection. Um, so that that would be how I how I reflect back on it that period of my life as I, as I become older and look back on the whole of that period of my life up to now. I think get the right people around you. I know it's an old it's an old adage, but but there's a reason for it. You know, get identifying in the people that are on your team the values that you align with to form your culture. Embracing diversity within that, you know, people can have similar values, uh, but, but can be very different people, and that's good as well. High standards, empathy, you know, and understanding that not all things are equal. People are from a different different set of backgrounds and sometimes have different situations in their own lives, and you you have to be flexible enough in your thinking to recognise that. I think um, also being able to to customise your approach, the way that you connect and the way that you communicate with a wide range of people from young people uh, from different backgrounds some from a level of deprivation i guess others from uh, richer family backgrounds but all in the same group different uh, ethnicity different uh, cultural views adults partners sponsors where there might be different wants and needs so it was a fantastic process of trying to understand context uh, to help me build relationships with people. All of those and an accumulation of it have helped to shape you as you, you know, Joe Sargison, who's a very dear friend of mine, who now is a pro-licensed coach, accomplished the elite award, which is no longer in its title, but it's, you know, you were a band of 16 other people or fit part of a, a group of 16 bodies which we'll delve into in part two of this of our interview with you. But, you know, you go back to your teaching and uh, being an educator. What we're actually saying here, Joe, is everything that you've experienced has been an accumulation of all of that has contributed to who you are at the moment. Would that be a fair assumption? Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. I think um, you gather experience, you build momentum, you sometimes are in experiences that are similar to ones that you think you've experienced before. You sometimes have experiences that are completely different. And of course, they all go into this melting pot that forms your life or, or part of your life. And um, there's mistakes without a doubt uh, along the way. Um, but there's this beautiful thing called reflection where you get a chance to, to have a real good look at things and yourself and other people and, and of course, sometimes things change in life as well. Sometimes you have to take a slightly different course and, and you might have to, um, you know, try and uh, try and gain some real clarity on what it is you're going after and, and move the programme or your own coaching or the people you work with uh, in a slightly different direction as well. It's all part of the process. But, um, you know, what guides our decisions, I suppose, um, experiences, prior learning, and, a, and, a, and a, de a degree of introspection you know these are the things that help us make the judgments and decisions that we have to make the the impact on other people uh, as well so joe i know your career path is slightly different now but 
you've since been back to South Africa. Is it changed much in terms of the project for yourself? And if so, how? Yeah, I, I uh, moved on from the program to to work for the football association at the back end of 2014 uh, and continued my involvement with the project from a, a voluntary perspective for an additional two years as we um, sort of handed the reins over to um, members of staff at, at the college so up until 2016 i was still traveling with groups of learners uh, out there in actual fact we branched out into the university sector as well so we had university students uh, from higher education as well as further education so it added a, an interesting um, dynamic to it but i think in the last sort of two or three years um, as the program has, has has come to an end and my job has uh, become um, focused around coach development work with the football association i've, I've continued to travel out to south africa on a, on a personal basis so in the last sort of three years, I've been going out to Easter, linking up with, uh, with my good friend and, and partner out in Cape Town that we uh, that we run the program. Uh, we run the program together. I've had a couple of former students who are now in their late twenties, early thirties, uh, traveling with us on trips with their partners or, or what have you, and former staff members that have been there as well. So it's taken on a, a different perspective in the sense that we don't travel in big groups of uh, with young people now. But of course, everything in Cape Town in particular uh, is, is, is exactly as it was. There's still all the kids in the schools there, the kids in the townships, the coaches in the townships, the community leaders. And uh, I carry on the, the, the coach education angle right as, as, as early as uh, getting back uh, in, this, uh, in January this year. So, um, so yeah, it continues. It looks different. It feels different. But, but it links back to my previous point that you know, so as you go through life, you know, things do take on a different perspective and it's part of your adaptability to go with the flow. Uh, you know, I'm very, I'm very, um, very grateful for these connections and friendships that I still have 16 years down the line. Joe, it's been a privilege for you to share that part of your life. I know many who are listening wouldn't know anything if they think they know you. They're actually getting a different angle of you. I've known you over a long period of time now and I've never come across a man who is as humble and is as open as you are. And so I thank you. And I'm sure my son David will endorse exactly what's being said at the moment. Because you've touched so many people's lives in such a profound way. But I know that you do it because you want to do it, not because you have to do it. And it's, it's been a, an absolute privilege I go back to the time that I met your dad in 2003 outside the academy building and it just, it, yeah, it was, it, it's such a powerful experience for me to see you, where you are, what you're doing, what you've done. And to be part of that has been a, an absolute privilege. And so I thank you for your friendship and I thank you for your time again. Oh, and likewise likewise and, and the part that you played in in that journey as well uh, as you said we're going back many many years here was is uh has been a huge part of it for me so it's a, it's a privilege to be having this discussion with you now looking back on it or reflecting on some really good times as well thanks for tuning into the golders podcast today if you enjoyed this episode and you haven't already subscribed, please do so. 
Your continued support is highly appreciated and it means so much to us knowing that the content that's being produced is providing value in people's lives. If you would like to know more or get more information from us, you can follow us on Twitter at Gold Dust Podcast. And also you can visit our website at thegolddustcoach.com. Thank you, everybody.